This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, with Truck Girl Jen. Um, you have enjoyed the last two weeks because we've been driving trucks. Mm-hmm. And you really like trucks, don't you? Yes, I do. Um, Jen has enjoyed the little rides in trucks, and <laughs> today she told me how much she hated me in the car, yeah. in the truck. Hated me because I got to I got invited to go to the C8 Corvette mid-engine launch. Mm-hmm. Still hate me. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So on today's <laughs> show, a uh, packed show for you, of course. We would never leave you uh, stranded without lots of entertainment. Uh, a few things on today's show. Coming up, uh, GMC, they unveiled some new vehicles last week. We can also talk uh, to Stuart Sh- uh, Fowl about the new GMC Canyon. We are going to get a little bit of... Uh, seat time to talk about the Nissan Sentra. Jen went to an event um, on the Nissan Sentra this week. I did. So we're going to quiz you on that, how much Uh-oh. you remembered. It's going to be a quiz. There's going to be results. There's going to be pass or fail. Just find out how you did. I'm going to pass. Okay. Right. <laughs> so much faith I have in Jen. <laughs> Chicago Auto Show's coming up. There used to be uh, there's three big shows in uh, the winter. It was CES, which is in Las Vegas, is the Consumer Electronics Show, becoming a very big car show. There is, um, there was the Detroit Auto Show, which is we've we've taken eighteen months off, and yeah, it will come back. Smart. It will come back in the summer mm-hmm. of twenty twenty this year, and then there is the Chicago Show, and which is still in the blistering, freezing. <laughs> body part dropping off weather never leave your water bottles Chicago. in the car yeah, that happened to me when i went it just froze yeah, solid. Fro- yeah yeah don't in <laughs> fact you just probably should stay inside in chicago if you live there for the whole winter um so the chicago auto show i'll be doing a little thing on wgn tv in chicago uh, with some never seen before cars trucks and suvs pretty exciting uh, there's a bunch of stuff coming up for that. We're going to also uh, talk about the Hyundai Venue. This is the smallest SUV that they have. Uh, I drove it in Australia. drove it again in Miami last week. Uh, Dave Barthman is going to join us to talk a little bit about Karma. Uh, they were at CES. They had a bunch of announcements. Uh, this, is, this is an electric car company that's kind of exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. Very high-end, very sexy, very fast. Uh, we're going to find out all about them. Plus, Anton Woolman's going to join us as well to talk about uh, an investigation which is going on now into a car company. I'll have all the inside dirty details about that coming up too. So, uh, Big news, by the way, for GMC. That's uh, they, they, they got a bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, they there. do. I'm excited um, for them. They needed, they needed a refresh. They're AT4s, which mm-hmm. is the trim level. Yeah, the Canyon. Such a good job. Well, they have it on everything. Oh. So, yeah, it's on the Traverse. It's on all. It's a trim level. Yeah, it's just like totally. It, it's, it makes the vehicles look like, whoa, yeah, don't come mess with me. Beefy. Beefy drugs. Yeah, it's just like. 
beefy and big wheel claddings. Uh, it looks great. I really like it. So yeah. we can talk a, a bunch about that. So speaking well. of trucks. Yeah. Yeah. What did you just drive this week? Um, the Tremor Super Duty Ford 250. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? <laughs> it's big. Yeah. It's actually fun. So uh, I got into the event. I landed at like midnight. Mm-hmm. Got into the event at 1 a.m. Super tired. Oh, I bet. Because I came from Miami. Mm. Super tired. Um, the breakfast was like at 6.30, something like that. We had to leave at 7.30. And uh, so I was a little bit tired. So uh, Re, our head of production for the TV side of the company, she uh, she was with me. And awesome. she drove. Because really? I was, you know, I was like kind of tired. So she's like, do do and on the way back, we had 17 miles of a gravel road out to this gravel pit where we were doing a bunch of off-roading and a bunch of really dirty, gritty, sweaty stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we're on our way back, and I'm like, come on, Ray. Come on. Like, she's, you know, doing 45 miles an hour <laughs> down a gravel road. I'm like, come on, Re. So she's like, what? I said, just let me drive. Oh, God. Did she get sick? And, and we got in the car, <laughs> and we got it. Double that speed, we're up to 90 miles an hour yeah. on this gravel road. And I was, uh, as we came up to a bend, I slid it around the bend, you know, the whole thing going sideways. And and she didn't get that on camera? Uh, no, she didn't actually. And oh. I think, actually, no, that's not true. I think she did. She had a GoPro out. Awesome. I'm going to have to call so her. So she had a GoPro out. So uh, she's, you know, 90 miles an hour. I, I said, shoot the speedometer, see how fast we go, this sort of thing. Private road, can do what I want. I do what I want anyway. Yeah. And um, so we just did this whole thing. And then I dropped my phone in the car. And I went, okay, I'm going to stop. Because mm-hmm. the phone slid down the side of the seat. And because I was being a little bit teenagerish, um, a numpty, as my sister would call me. And so <laughs> I stopped and I said, oh, um, I'm going to get my phone. So I got out of the car. She ran around, got in the driver's seat. <laughs> Chinese fire drill. She's, she's like, I'll be driving now. Thank you very much. <laughs> my turn, my turn. <laughs> no, just not. She drove driven most of the day, but she she was like, yeah, she, we've had enough of your shenanigans, Mr. Scared. Ledfoot. Yeah. Uh, it's a great truck. It can you now were... tow 37,000 pounds, which is 1,500 more than its nearest competition. What? But your driving is an acquired taste. You get used to it. Such a baby, Jen. No, I, I actually baby. love your driving. Such a baby. It's nice to live life on the edge. You don't like to go 120, 140 miles now? In donuts and... Uh, well, I don't donuts I do. I, I like possible. to be the driver, you know. Well, everybody pass- does. It's not the, the, the so passenger. what you're saying is you're a sucky passenger. Apparently. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I'll All admit right. it. <laughs> All right, pack show as we mentioned. Uh, we'll be interested to find out uh, more about that new the new GMC uh, trucks. They have added some interesting off road stuff as well. Maybe I could drive one of them at 140 miles an hour. Probably not. Actually, I think I'm, I'm thinking about the speedometer in the Super Duty, the F250, and I think it only went up to 120. Oh. Yeah, it's just a little disappointing. That yeah. I like to go faster than that. Yeah, I'd be pretty disappointed too. Yeah. But it is a truck. In the in a in a big, big, big truck, 120 miles an hour. All right. So what did they say about that? What did they see you? <laughs> they just didn't care. You're nobody knows. No, I haven't told it's anyone. Nobody wild. knows. You're on the radio. No, what? 
Uh, let's see. I could be in trouble now. Could have just revealed it all. Coming up, we're going to talk about GMC Canyon, do an interview with Stuart Fowle. Uh, he's going to tell us all about what's going on there and the canyon and some new news that they've had and deliciousness. It's all coming up on our Auto Expert. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear past shows, see our automotive videos, TV appearances, read inside of car stories, and find all about your next ride at ourautoexpert.com. Um, he probably didn't listen to uh, what we were talking about uh, uh, him, but we'll talk to Stuart in a minute from uh, from GMC because uh, he's just for, he's waiting in the wings uh, on the phone uh, to talk about some of the. They had a lot of news in the last couple of weeks, a lot of stuff that was introduced. Um, we'll get to that in a second or so. Uh, we drove in today in a truck. Yes, we did. A Nissan mm-hmm. Titan. Uh, not an XD. I have an XD in my driveway, and then I have the... Uh, you had nowhere to park at my house today. Surprising, so I have 13 parking spaces, and they were all full. It was ridiculous. <sighs> Thanks. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for that. You're welcome. Talk about trucks. I mean, that's you had a huge array of trucks. Yeah, I did everything place. from like a 1972 all the way up to a truck that's not even on the market yet. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's interesting. When I turn the truck on, it has uh, a little screen in there that says uh, this is pre-production not for sale right. actually in the screen it pops up electronically which is kind of interesting so the cool part about going to nick's house every saturday is that you never know what's going to be in the driveway sometimes you're drooling and sometimes you're not <laughs> <laughs> jen, jen drools when she comes to my house i do it's like oh look at that car i can't wait to drive it i got too much i gotta get rid of some don't i mm. No, never. Never enough cars. Never enough cars? Nope, never enough. All right. Uh, They've had big news this week. Uh, They've also done some pretty amazing things. Uh, GMC, and uh, we're very glad to have Stuart Fowle joining us on the phone to talk about it. So, a big announcement for you guys this week, Stuart. Indeed, uh, a whole week of announcements, and thanks for having me on. So let's let's talk about this. By the way, I think I think uh, I was so impressed with the AT4. I had it in the terrain, and I I could never buy anything unless it was an AT4. I think the AT4 trim level you actually hit the nail on the head. Fantastic! That is uh, good to hear this week. Indeed, uh, I think what you had was an Acadia AT4. Oh yes, um, and I was. Just, That's right. We we don't have a train yet, but. Um, Wednesday this week, we announced it. So Monday, we announced a new Canyon AT4 for the first time. Tuesday, we announced a Yukon AT4. And on Wednesday, we rounded out the entire lineup with a Terrain AT4. So now, uh, by the end of this year, we'll have six choices of AT4 vehicles at your GMC dealership. So tell me um, what an AT4 comes with. What's, what's the secret sauce on the AT4 trim level? AT4 trim level, the secret sauce is a, a, some level of capability added to what you would get on a, a standard GMC. Um, between the models, that varies a little bit based on what we know about customers in different segments. So what what is consistent between all AT4s is uh, an overall exterior look where we remove all of the chrome and make it more uh, body color molding, uh, dark grill treatment. Um, more of a monochromatic look on the outside. On um, the pickup trucks, you also get red tow hooks on the front that look too slick. Uh, you get more off-road-oriented tires than you would on a standard GMC. 
and on the inside you get uh, a unique color of leather that we call Kalahari. It's kind of a, a rich brown color. What size? Uh, and then, what size ahead. tires are on the AT4? You said on the Sierra uh, AT4, which we kind of view as the the ultimate AT4. That's a, a 33 inch tire, nice. as well as a two inch suspension lift. So the Sierra AT4 is the first factory suspension lift that we've done at GMC. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if, kind of... if this appeals to everybody, but it certainly appeals to me. Like <laughs> this is exactly what I would do with a truck if I if I took a regular GMC vehicle and I was going to do some aftermarket stuff. To this you kind of all already done that. You've done exactly what I do. Mm-hmm. Plus, uh, I think it's so it gets a little boring after a while having black leather interior. So it's really nice to see different color. Jen, you don't agree with me? Yeah. I love black leather. Oh, I like this the new brown. You do, I, lo- yeah. I like the new brand. You did really good with this. You did really good with it. it it's pretty cool. Um, when when will these, so presumably that some of them are on sale now, when will the others arrive? Or is that still a secret source question? <laughs> yeah, so uh, at the GMC dealers today, you can get a Sierra AT4 as well as a Sierra Heavy Duty AT4. So pretty cool, extremely capable, lots of towing, lots of really cool tech. In that truck, both Sierras have 15 different camera views, which is really helpful for off-roading if you're going up the hill and all you see is the hood. Uh, we make it so that you can see over that hill. So two Sierras in the dealer and also the Acadia that you are driving. Yeah. Um, and then this year, uh, later this spring, we'll have the Canyon in the dealers. Uh, this summer, we'll have the Yukon, and then we'll close it out with the Terrain this fall. Um, I'm super looking forward to this train because it is uh, one of my favorite vehicles on the market right now. Uh, where does this fall in with Denali? So uh, is Denali above this? Is it below this? Or is it something completely separate? Because uh, a lot of people just now use Denali as an almost a noun rather than a <laughs> yeah. trim level. It's like I have a Denali. All right. That could mean a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So Denali's almost become something on its own. But where does that sit uh, with AT4? Sure. So, yeah, you're absolutely right about Denali. It has just become its own thing, and it really, most of all, has become its own thing for Yukon customers, and that's why we're really excited to introduce a new Yukon this week as well, the 2021 Yukon, and the Denali on that model for the first time has an entirely different interior from any other Yukon, because those are the people who say, I don't drive a GMC, I don't drive a Yukon, I drive a Denali, and that's all that matters, so... New Yukon has a Denali interior, different instrument panel, four different colors that you can't get on a, a non-Denali in the interior. Really awesome, bold, lots of chrome, cool look on that. Um, so across the board, Denali versus AT4, it's kind of all of the above to your questions. Um, it's it's a different customer for sure, and we're seeing that out of the Sierra buyers. Uh, Denali customers, we've had Denali for longer than a a loyal customer group. AT4 is doing a great job of introducing GMC to new people for the first time. Um, But it sits just below Denali in our pricing structure. So uh, you get SLE, SLT, AT4, and then Denali in terms of price. But we really wanted AT4 to borrow something from Denali because it's been so successful and because the off-road segment is so crowded in the mainstream, we wanted to be something different and have a vehicle that is both very premium 
and ready to go on a, a fun adventure. So we think AP4 is carving out a, a really unique space in this premium off-road segment. But yeah, in terms of pricing, it's just a bit below Denali. In the in the minute we have left or so, uh, tell us a little bit about your big announcement and your unveil this week. Yeah, so we uh, we, we went out to Vail. We uh, brought out all of these new Yukons. We have the short wheelbase, the long wheelbase, Denali, AP4, and drove them all through a giant ice maze in the, the middle of a field out in the Rocky Mountains. It was a ton of fun. Um, and our news actually isn't done either this week. We have, uh, during the NFC Championship game tomorrow, an all-new ad airing on TV for our Carbon Pro pickup box on the Sierra. So this is the first ever carbon fiber pickup box, lighter, stronger, and you'll definitely want to watch and see what we do with this ad because it's it's a lot of fun. There might be a couch involved, and, and we know all know that <laughs> moving a couch is an important part of pickup truck ownership. Wow. I'm, now I'm intrigued. Now I'll have to watch sports, which I rarely do on the television, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll have to go break, break the mold on that one. Um, all right, so these vehicles very soon to be arriving at uh, dealerships throughout this next year. Uh, big news for you guys. You actually have some, uh, you don't have any cars in the GMC lineup, but it's all trucks and all SUVs, and you guys uh, have done a really great job with this. I really enjoy the Denali. I think I'm probably more of an AT. 84 guy than a Denali guy. Um, I, I prefer the plastic cladding and the black cladding and the brown interior versus the, the chrome and the bling and that sort I of like thing. Them both. You knew that about me. You knew I was more rugged than oh, bling, didn't you, Stuart? No, you need one of each one for the daytime and one for the nighttime. Oh, really? Well, that's mm-hmm. why we have them both. That's yeah. right. Look at Stuart trying to sell me vehicles. Stuart Fowl, thank you very much from GMC. <laughs> talking about the new vehicles that they have on. I, I really, really... You can watch my TV segment on the AG4. It's coming up next week. You'll see that on your local TV segment. Coming up, more Our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. On Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and start a conversation with us at Our Auto Expert. We are ready to answer your questions about buying a new or used vehicle. I got an interesting fact last week that uh, out of the 44 million vehicles that were purchased in the United States last year, one-third of people wanted to buy a new vehicle but ended up buying a used vehicle because their funds did not reach what they needed to purchase. So that's kind of interesting. Got to turn your mic on, Jen. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. You know, vehicle costs have gone up quite a bit. You but know. there are a lot of uh, inexpensive vehicles. Uh, Nissan has twenty vehicles under twenty thousand dollars now. Mm-hmm. Not twenty. And the one I four just vehicles saw under twenty thousand dollars, I think, is amazing. Uh, what did you go to drive, Jen? The Sentra. Oh, you're so excited about this, aren't you? I am truly excited about this. How car. many have they sold since nineteen eighty-two, Jen? Six million. Oh. I know. Um, all right, so tell me a little bit about the vehicle. Okay, so this one has, it's two inches lower and two inches wider than the original. It also has that V-shaped grill. Yeah, V-motion grill. Yeah, their signature grill. I kind of like it. It's very modern. It, when I look at this car and I stand back, I saw it. It was unveiled, I think, at the New York Internet, uh, the LA International Auto Show back in November this year. When I first saw the vehicle, it looks so much more like a bigger, expensive sedan than it actually is. You know, a lot of times these little car sedans look like, uh, you know, just 
tin cans. It doesn't look like that. No, not at all. In fact, when I got there, I talked to Janelle and I'm like, this is so So, so those people that don't know, Janelle is okay. the uh, PR person for Nissan. Yeah. And she's like, what do you think? And I'm like, it is so cute. And I'm like, what does it start around 38? And she just laughed at me. She goes, no, it's like 19. Yeah, 19 like, and change. you're kidding me. Um, the starting price is extremely reasonable, and one of the it things is. that Nissan have been trying to do is put a lot of equipment as standard on those vehicles. All right, so tell us a little bit about the vehicle. Okay, so it has the new boomerang taillights yep. that kind of wrap around. Um, it's got an Audi-inspired interior. I'm surprised they call out someone like Audi for Well, their that's interior. what they told us. Yeah. So That's interesting. Yeah, it was. they had the two-tone cloth seats yep. that look kind of sporty. Yep. I really like those. Um, it had the D-shaped steering wheel with zero-gravity seats. Yeah, these zero-gravity seats are developed in uh, collaboration with NASA, and NASA used these for the space shuttle, so uh, astronauts' backsides don't get pain, you know, get hurt when they're uh, traveling in space. That's awesome. So, um, you know, your seat was direct developed by an astronaut's backside Woo-hoo. with help from, I should say. <laughs> so my okay. f- one of my favorite cars, the GTR, yeah. they actually took the vents from the GTR and yeah. put those into this vehicle. Oh. There's three big vents across the front. I like that bold look. Um, um, high on safety too. Very. And, oh, and if you get the SR model, it comes with a whole new Bose system. It sounds good. Oh, it's got an amp and everything, yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, amps are pretty necessary if you want to hear anything. I know. Just let you know. Yeah, thanks. Uh, safety? Yeah, 10 airbags, forward collision warning, driver attention alertness, auto brightness, uh, intelligent trace control, which that's basically when you go around a corner, if you're going too fast, your car will automatically slow it down so you don't slide off the road. Oh. It's pretty interesting technology. Probably wouldn't work for me then. Oh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> I can't wait till you, till you get it. Um, it's got the auto braking and then uh, active ride control. All right. So. Um, one of the things I like about uh, Nissan is that they come embedded with like Apple CarPlay and Android Auto as standard. Mm-hmm. And it has both. Um, new engine in this car too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want me to talk about it? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's a 2.0 liter. A 2 liter, yeah. Yeah, 2 liter. 2.0. That's all I can remember at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> 149 horsepower. That's right. Um, 17% more torque, 146 pounds feet. Uh, it also has 20% more horsepower than the last one. The last one was a bit gutless. This one is actually pretty sexy. Yeah. Uh, 29 city, 39 highway, and that's about 33 compared. 39 highway is a great fuel economy, by the way. Mm-hmm. Starting for $19,090 on the S trim level and uh, $20,270 on the SV, going up to 21430 for the SV uh, SVR trim, or SR trim, I think. Okay, I have a funny story to tell yeah. you. You know Banks. Yes, Banked Halverson. Yes, how tall is he? He's like six, seven? Twelve foot tall, something like that. He sat in the front yeah. and the back yeah. and still had lots of clearance. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was like, I'm very comfortable in Ooh, this I'm car. seeing advertising here. Nissan Sentra for giants. And little people. And little people. <laughs> so it worked for you. I did, it did. For I... giants and little people. And they came out with those new colors. The electric blue. Yeah, you know, those colors look great when you see them for the first time. I'm not sure I want to wake up in my driveway no, and see that color. Have you looked at the rosewood gold? Uh, <laughs> on my head, no. Oh, my goodness. That's that deep burgundy. It's really pretty. They have a tri-color, uh, tri-paint color system. If you were ever wondering, Chuck Girl Jen is such a girl when it comes to colors. <laughs> I am. Do they have a pink? 
No. No. I don't want a pink. I don't want Your sister pink. would want a pink, though. No. No? No. My niece. Your niece would want a pink. Yeah. Anyways, this is a beautiful car. All right. Coming up, the Chicago Auto Show. It's just around the corner. We can get the inside skinny. Find out how much it goes to get tough to go to the show and what's going to be there on our Auto Expert. You're listening to our Auto Expert. Uh, locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. It's America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert, and I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen, who had to ask me in the break, uh, do I'm, am I sure that I, uh, she loves me? <laughs> That's radio, Jen. We don't take it personally. Yeah. Well, and I'm not very good at giving you a hard time because I respect you. Isn't All that right. crazy? Let's talk about auto shows. You've been to this show. I have. And you really enjoyed it. I call it the Burr Show. Oh, because it's so called The Burr Show. Chicago Burr Show. Yes. Uh, Mark Bellick is on the phone from the Chicago Auto Show. Uh, you like to call it the Chicago Auto Show rather than the Burr Show, don't you? <laughs> I do. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's a pretty awesome show, uh, Chicago, now the king of the winter shows because uh, Detroit has vacated to the summer, so you guys are going to get in all the glory. Well, you know, it is. In fact, Nick, uh, thanks for having me on. You know, we really uh, have seen a, a pickup on our media preview. The, the number of press conferences and the quality of the reveals, I think that a lot of manufacturers are still choosing to move their big introductions off-site to, you know, kind of away from auto shows so that they can grab all of the media attention uh, rather than share it. But we've, we've got a great media preview schedule lined up. In fact, I'm working on it right now, and we'll, we'll publish it next week. And we've seen a couple of things uh, in the media. Mercedes saying they're going to reveal uh, a brand-new vehicle uh, there, which is super exciting. It's something that people have been asking for for a, a long time. And, of course, um, for those people who are listening in Chicago right now, uh, we will have a preview of the Chicago Auto Show on the Wednesday before the show. The show is start, kicks off media days on the Thursday, but on the Wednesday before the show on WGN in the morning, we'll have a bunch of cars out there um, that have never been to TV stations before, so you can get a bit of a preview and a reason to go to the show. Uh, you guys uh, have the record, though, for a bunch of stuff, uh, including, I think, the more floor space and, and definitely more to see there, more floor space than any other uh, auto show. Yeah, you know, Chicago, because we're blessed with McCormick Place, we really have the largest venue. Uh, McCormick Place actually has 2.6 million square feet of exhibit hall. We only use we only use a million of it, so it's not that crazy. But uh, it's still by far the largest uh, under one roof auto show uh, in the nation. And uh, you know, we really try to take advantage of that. Most of the automakers bring their biggest displays uh, that they'll ever produce for any auto show uh, to Chicago, just because we have the space. So. Not only do we have pretty much every vehicle that an automaker will offer, but we also have multiple trim levels. So for people that are shopping, they can not only decide between a Honda Accord and a Toyota Camry, but they can actually pick the Accord or Camry trim level that they're going to you know, consider buying. 
I like that. And the other thing I like about Chicago, and you might call me a 12-year-old boy, but uh, I love to be able to go there. And because people like Ford and General Motors have such a big space, they also bring all their police and fire trucks and ambulances and all those sort of mm-hmm. things. So you get to see all the sort of the police versions of the Ford Explorer and uh, those type of things, which, you know, blue, blue and red flashing lights for a 12-year-old is probably the most exciting thing they'll see all week. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it really is. I mean, a lot of the automakers bring uh, their interactive things that they they may only, you know, sparingly parse out to different auto shows across the country. They bring them all to Chicago. I mean, you've seen that new Subaru uh, National Park display. We're getting that display plus uh, other things that they've never done before. Honda's got an all-new display. Toyota's got a display where the stage actually, they have a stage that actually rotates. So that they can do space shows uh, within their booth, and then you're right. I mean, Ford, uh, Chrysler, uh, Ram, um, and uh, uh, General Motors—they all bring commercial vehicles to our show, uh, so that people can see what you can do with those trucks. I mean, you know, you, you guys drive those things off-road, and you, you tow, and you, you do different things at press events, but you don't get to see them actually out in the field working and. For a lot of people, uh, that's a really cool thing, and, and that's kind of become kind of a side uh, aspect to our show where a lot of business gets done, where, where Ford and, and uh, uh, Ram and then also Chevrolet bring their executives that are on their commercial side, and they're doing deals with fleet buyers right. on our show. It's kind of a, a kind of a strange thing that's happened in Chicago just because we have that much space. Right. And the, the thing I think um, is one of the favorite things I do is a lot of times at auto shows, we're so busy with uh, doing live TV that we don't get a big chance to do this. But on the Thursday of the show, uh, uh, our auto experts, Mike Cordell and myself, get to uh, do live stuff on the auto show's Facebook page. We get to talk to all of these manufacturers. We get to talk to the guys that actually design the trucks. And uh, you'll see all that kind of streamed on the web. But a lot of times, you have to go to individual individual uh, Facebook pages of manufacturers to find out what they're doing and to see live streams and that sort of thing. But uh, all in one place, the Chicago Auto Show supplies everything, and we get uh, we get honored to do that. It's been sort of much more of a, a truck show in the past, but has the fact that Detroit has moved to the summer opened this up now to seeing other vehicles that are not so truck-based? Yeah, in fact, we'll see something from Jaguar. Uh, we'll see uh, uh, the new Hyundai GV80 is coming, and they're going to do a North American reveal of that. Honda has a car that they're going to show at our show. Uh, uh, Hyundai does as well. Um, you know, we've got some interesting news from Nissan, believe it or not. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you're right with Detroit moving out. There is a better option for us. But at the same time, we still want to make it where the show where you can you can make news and be heard. I think a lot of the problems with why automakers are moving away from doing introductions and making news at auto shows is because there's so many intros at, at L.A. and in New York and in Detroit in the past. It was hard to grab a, a lot of share of voice. And so if one manufacturer, for example, would do a crazy uh, introduction, they would get all the news and everybody else would be the afterthought. Right. Um, and that's part of, you know, what we've done with you guys. And thank you so much for doing what we do at, uh, what you do at our show with the Facebook lives and, um, 
you know, pushing those uh, uh, out to the public, it, it's, you know, people, no matter where they are in the world, they can watch what's happening in Chicago. And not everybody <laughs> wants to come to Chicago in February to the Chicago Water Show. Um, and so sometimes we, we even have journalists out there that are like on the live streams watching. Right. They're, they're calling me asking, hey, send me some photos. I need right. To, you know, and it's kind of crazy. You know, I have other things to do, but I'm, I'm happy to help them. <laughs> I think the good thing, you know, is it feels like working in a, it feels like working in a TV station newsroom because there's so much information coming out of that show. So it's like anchoring, uh, as if I was anchoring on a Fox station that day uh, from the auto show because there's so much news being created and we're live there on the spot with the news makers as that news yeah. is being revealed. That's absolutely super exciting. I think there is so much at this show, too, that uh, a lot of people pass by because of the amount of space. And and the great thing about McCormack is uh, if you think about Chicago as a whole, Chicago is the third largest city in the United States, uh, definitely for media markets. So we know that L.A., uh, which is the California-based show, has the sort of L.A., California-based type of vehicles. We know that New York, which is probably the biggest city uh, it definitely is the biggest city in North America, has the sort of New York luxury side of things. And for everybody else, Chicago is there for the cars that are bought day-to-day, the cars that are bought for transportation, the cars that are used for, or the vehicles that are used for commercial haulage. It actually has a full encompassment of the whole show. Plus, you guys, um, in the past, you've had sort of driving tracks inside of the Chicago show. Is there going to be any opportunities in 2020 to actually get it, get behind the wheel of any? vehicles yep so we'll have four indoor test tracks and and in the indoor test tracks the uh attendees or the media they actually just go for a ride they don't get to drive there'll be the jeep track of course is back ram is back with their uh proving ground toyota is new this year they've got a track where they're going to demonstrate the rav4 and then volkswagen for the first time is uh, ever is doing an indoor test track uh with their atlas and atlas cross sport and then we have four outdoor driving opportunities as well where consumers can get behind the wheel. Um, and that's, you know, that's more of a sales pitch kind of thing. You know, they may be in the booth looking at a, a new Hyundai Sonata or something, and they say, boy, I'd really like to get behind the wheel of this. And they say, well, here, you're in Chicago. Certainly you can. And they, they bring them to the uh, outdoor drive, and then they do the outdoor drive. So for a lot of people that's shopping, it's a, it's a great hassle-free way to – kind of pick the car that you want to maybe take a closer look at at the dealership. But for a lot of people, it's just a lot of fun to do the indoor tracks. I mean, Chicago is ridiculously flat compared to where you guys are at. Right. Um, and most Chicagoans have never been off-road. I mean, their idea of off-road is, you know, driving in a little bit of snow. Right. So uh, some of the Jeep, and you remember the Land Rover track last year, and I'm sure the Volkswagen track, that's their only chance to ever even see the true capability of some of these vehicles. Uh, so we're really happy to be able to do that with the, the size of the corner place. Do you guys get concept cars revealed at Chicago? Have you had them in the past? Are you expecting to see any for 2020? You know, uh, in looking at the news, I don't see any concept cars being revealed. I think we're going to get a few. You know, it, it's really interesting that, like, you know, a, two decades ago, concept cars were everywhere. And automakers have kind of stopped doing them. Uh, they still do them every once in a while. We saw them at CES uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but, it, you know, it's just so expensive to do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 
You'd rather have something you can buy, probably. Yeah. I mean, it really, Concept Cars is kind of, and I'm sad because, you know, when we do exit surveys of our show, people, you know, fully a third of them come to see cars that they can't, the aspirational cars, cars they can't buy. Right. So things like a McLaren or a Ferrari or a Lamborghini uh, or those concept cars. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, that the manufacturers are kind of looking away from that, but. I think we will get a couple. I think Hyundai's got one. Um, I know that uh, Alfa Romeo has one. I believe Genesis also has a concept. That's pretty so good. So I think we'll get you know a half dozen or so, but they won't be uh, first right. ever uh, news reveal. All right. Most important question of the interview for you: uh, What is your favorite pizza in Chicago? <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> I'm definitely a Gino's East guy, okay. uh, but Luminati's is not bad. Yeah, Luminati's uh, is my favorite. Know, <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll be happy to know Mazda's going to do their pizza party for the journalists again, so you'll get your share of deep dish. I like I like Luminati's. Uh, the great thing about Chicago pizza, which you know people will argue Chicago is famous for deep dish, but it's probably also as famous for thin crust pizza as well. But the thing about deep dishes, when you order a deep dish in Chicago, you get all this beautiful fluffy crust you get beautiful toppings and lots of tomato sauce but you can also eat your own weight in cheese and that's what i love about it that's the best absolutely right that's the best that and the hot dogs are some of my favorite things to do tell us about the show when it opens and when the public can go so sure the, the public days start february 8th and run through president's day february 17th we open every day at 10 a.m uh, and, uh, you know, we'll have a million square feet, almost a thousand vehicles. Uh, we've got theme days. We have a sports day, a women's day, a Hispanic heritage day. We have a craft beer night. We All even right. have a running race. We even have a running race this year on the show floor, 2.4 mile loop where runners can run inside. Um, I mean, we're just—it's all about kind of making it wow. uh, an event, you know. Mark. And we're really excited. Thank you so much for for uh, taking the time, Mark. I look forward to seeing you. I look forward to eating pizza, and I might just stay for the whole show. Chicago Auto Show is coming up. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Catch up with previous episodes of the show. You can do that by going to Our Auto Experts website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see our automotive videos from TV appearances around the country, and also read inside of car stories about your next ride. You'll find it all at ourautoexpert.com. Nick Miles, Truck Girl Jen, hosting the show for you this week. Uh, we have uh, we've had a lot of technology stuff happening in the last few months, the last few years. A lot of new electric cars have been announced. Uh, many of them sort of concepts. One company that actually has sort of taken technology, made it into a reality, is uh, a, a car company which is fairly close to my heart, although I've never actually driven one. Uh, they <laughs> promised to correct that many times, though. That is Karma. <laughs> uh, and my pal Dave Barthamus is over at Karma right now. Dave joining us on the phone. So you guys have had quite a few announcements. Uh, you've managed to take a lot of what people have conceived and make them into, oh, we don't have Dave Barthamus. All right. That's uh, that's Nick and Jen, apparently. I, I misread the script. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry. That would be next I watched segment. Everyone, I watched Jordan panicking over there. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about Nick's trip to uh, where'd you go? Miami. Uh, I, yes, Miami for the Hyundai venue. You, did you? How much sunshine did you have? Uh, first of all, it wasn't great. Miami <laughs> was very cold. 
What? For Miami. I don't care. We had It was like 75 degrees. (laughs) And it was raining. Oh, man. It rained an awful lot. There was thunderstorms uh, in Miami. I'd driven the Hyundai venue in Australia earlier in the year, but there was some US spec versions there, but they were the ones that were on sale in Australia. So we got to drive the Hyundai venue, which uh, is going to be on sale in the United States. If you think about Hyundai as a car, as a vehicle company, they have uh, a vehicle that was nominated for North American Vehicle of the Year, which is their Palisade. It's a three-row, huge SUV. It starts at around uh, $30,000, just out of the park as far as vehicles are concerned. Going to the other end of the scale, they also have now one of the most inexpensive SUVs on the market, which is the brand new Hyundai Venue. And this is small. It starts uh, around $17,350 plus delivery, uh, which is $10,000 less than their their big vehicle. We got to drive it in the Palisade, which is the three-row at the other end of the scale. It does about 34 miles a gallon on the highway. Um, inexpensive is kind of cool with them because you can now get into an SUV for the price it would have cost you to buy a second-hand car. And the stat they came up with and told us about was that out of the 44 million vehicles that were traded in the United States last year, 33% of the people who bought vehicles wanted to buy new but ended up buying second-hand uh, or used, gently used as we like to say, <laughs> uh, because they couldn't afford it. And so what they've done is come up with a vehicle that starts just over $17,000 that is actually affordable and does what people need it to do. How much bigger is it from that to the Kona? It's very similar. The venue is similar to the Kona. It's kind of a scaled back, more boxy version of the Kona. The Kona looks like a sort of spaceship advanced car. This is traditional crossover, very straight grill, very square lines, lots of room on the inside, where the Kona is more of a sleek, sporty, sexy vehicle. I think both of them are going to do really well. I was talking to a friend of mine who works for uh, Seeking Alpha, not not Anton Mormon, mm-hmm. but uh, another friend. Mm-hmm. And he you was, have two? Yes, oh, I have two, <laughs> two friends that work for Seeking Alpha. He was telling me that uh, he thinks Hyundai is a great investment because Hyundai has really got their act together. They are, they're producing cars that people want to buy. They have a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. They have vehicles in every class that they're doing well. The new Sonata was our vehicle of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new Palisade is a runner-up, and it's one of the biggest vehicles out there on the market, starting around $30,000. The new Venue is great for those people that need an SUV but wanted to buy. We're buying a second-hand, maybe a four-year-old uh, SUV. It has a 100,000-mile warranty. It does a huge fuel economy of 34 miles a gallon on the highway. Uh, it weighs under twenty, about 2,612 pounds at its top weight, um, a curb weight. It has a manual. It has an automatic. That's what I like. Right. They, they're keeping the manuals, the six-speed. Not a lot of people know how to drive them, which is great, but I'm, I'm a huge manual person. You can save money by buying the manual, uh, which is which makes a lot of sense. It's a compact sports utility vehicle. Everybody gives it uh, really high marks. It's scoring like 8 out of 10 on most people's scales and above. Uh, it's not sad to drive. If you go to ourautoexpert.com, you can see my review on the Hyundai Venue. You can see me driving it in Miami. You can see me looking around the vehicle. Uh, it's, it's a great 
piece of machinery. And they have your green color in the view that you yeah, love. I, I like to call it come on one lick your lime, mm-hmm. but they call it lime twist. Yeah. I think it's actually called something different in the venue. It's called lime twist in the Kona. In the venue, mm. it's called something different. But I think for the Kona, they should have called it come on one and lick your lime. Right. I totally Kona, agree. Hawaii. Yeah. Sounds like Hawaiian. Yeah. You get it? Yeah, totally. I don't think I'd own it that color, though. It's a unique color. It's a unique color, but it's the sort of color where you can get out and look at it in the driveway every morning. You go, <gasps> what was I thinking? Yeah, but when the sun hits it, do you have to wear sunglasses? No, it's not <laughs> as bright. It's more of a yellowy color in the in the, in the the venue version than it is in the Kona, which is more green lime. Uh, they have a whole bunch of really cool colors in this vehicle. They have a bright blue, a bright red. And, of course, you can get things like Apple CarPlay, Android Auto is standard. It has touch navigations on the upper trim level. The thing that Hyundai are doing now is the daytime running lights look like the headlights of these little slits above. The headlights look like the fog lights. So they've kind of switched it up. It's the same on the on the Palisade. Now, the, uh, the Kona has the heads-up display. Did this one have the heads-up display? This does not have. At least the ones I was driving didn't have okay. a heads-up display. I don't know if it's an option. Again, this is the entry-level SUV for those people that need a little extra room. A car doesn't work. They don't want to buy secondhand. They want to buy new. They want to buy something that's reliable, well-designed, uh, You know, good miles per gallon, uh, 100,000 miles uh, warranty on it. So they're doing an awful lot to put people into new cars, whereas they were going to buy secondhand cars and, and used cars. And the used car market is expected to get expensive this year. So it's good to be able to buy a brand new car. Definitely, um, I agree. I'll let you test drive it when we get it in the fleet. Okay, I can't wait. So when it comes into our fleet and in, into the office, it's it's a it's a good vehicle, and it goes up against things like the Nissan Kicks and the Hyundai CHR and the Honda CRV. Do you like the Kicks? Uh, I like this more. Yeah. I like this more than the Kicks. Really? I think the Kicks looks the best in its class. Yeah, I like it. Um, uh, I think it looks great, but I like. I feel this one's a little more solid. The Kicks has really? more power. The Kicks was a little bit. Um, lackluster mm. you know how you feel like when you get up on a sunday morning after drinking on a saturday night That's how i really drinks. don't drink so i guess sorry completely ruined my whole i know right i love it coming up we'll get to talk about karma i know you're holding your breath for that one i am you're listening to our auto expert Uh, locally created Nash is celebrating from the northeast to the southwest. This is America's Car Radio Show. Has a throttle wheel feature in online, on air, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert broadcasting across the nation. I'm your host, Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen. Uh, a lot of times we see and hear about electric vehicle companies who are startups who actually never get to produce a vehicle or put it on sale. Not the fact. With Karma, they have actually produced a number of vehicles. They're pretty exciting. They're uh, breaking a lot of the boundaries of technology and they're taking some of these ideas and making them into reality that people can actually get in and drive. Uh, my pal Dave Barthamus is over there at Karma right now. Uh, he's joining us on the phone. So Dave, uh, Karma actually is doing a lot to produce vehicles and to advance the technologies around electric vehicles too. That's that's right, Nick. Uh, currently, we're the actually Karma is the only manufacturer building designing cars in Southern California and our Rivero GT is being delivered to retail customers right now and we think it's a, a smarter faster uh, uh, still soul-stirring version of its predecessor uh, 0 to 60 in four and a half seconds uh, it's about a one thirty-five thousand uh, dollar MSRP, and it's just it's just a beautiful vehicle that can be customized, individualized for 
uh, the, the personal options for the what we call the discerning luxury customer. I saw uh, you guys got some space on the concept lawn at Pebble Beach the, the last year. Uh, the cars are definitely very, very sexy. and that, That's sort of part of it as well, not only owning a, a slice of new technology, but also owning a slice of, uh, of very sexy vehicles as well. Yeah, I think Karma is always going to be known for its design, its soul-stirring design. And what you saw at Pebble Beach was the SC1 Vision concept car, which is a signpost to how our design language is going to be looking uh, moving forward. But at the Automobility, at the LA Auto Show, we introduced uh, its cousin, if you will, the SC2 concept car, which is sort of a, uh, an expression of where our technology is, is heading uh, in, in the future. And as much as Karma is a car company, I mean, we're always going to be a car company. Uh, we're, we're more than that. We're also a company that's going to be licensing our engineering, our design, our customization, and our contract manufacturing opportunities. So we're as much a high-tech incubator and an open platform that others can use to prove their emerging technologies as we are a car company. So that's, let's talk about that a little bit, some of the technology that's around that. How did you guys become a high-tech incubator with open platforms and test beds for emerging innovations? Yeah, our, our CEO, Dr. Lance Joe, uh, kind of when he came to Karma, sort of evaluated things. I mean, we have basically one platform right now, right? The uh, Rivero GT and its performance-oriented cousin, the GTS. Uh, when you compare us to larger, more established OEMs, it's going to be a, a tough you know, haul to sort of compete in that space. So we need to create more revenue streams beyond just relying on retail sales alone. And that's where we believe our engineering capabilities can really help others speed their product development, their access to technology. Our, our, desi our design studio can do the same thing for those looking to put luxury touches on their products, even beyond automotive. We're uh, making our design available to them. Uh, our facility in Moreno Valley. We call it the Karma Innovation and Customization Center. Uh, we're we're a, a, a luxury niche, right? We're a small volume, never going to be mass market. So we believe the platform is a great test bed for others to prove their innovations and their technologies. Um, for example, BlackBerry QNX, the secure uh, system to make sure that everything that is on a connected car is very secure, was first launched on a Rivero, and now it's being used in millions of cars worldwide. So that's just one example of how uh, Karma products and our platforms can be used by others to prove uh, innovation. Let's talk a little bit about CES because CES, of course, is is becoming much more of a, we've said this probably the last five years, but it's becoming much more of a vehicle car technology uh, show as much as it is uh, consumer electronics. Those consumer electronics are now, a lot of those ideas are found inside vehicles and you guys had some displays there. Well, we did, and you know, Karma did not have a booth per se, but this is an excellent example of how our platform is being used by tech companies, again, to demonstrate and showcase their technologies. So our Rivero GT and our SC1 Vision car was seen in up to seven different uh, technology booths, uh, Panasonic, Amazon, AWS, BlackBerry, uh, Vox Automotive, Xperia, uh, LetterTech. I mean, all of these companies uh, showed off their uh, you know, user interface, their connectivity, uh, all of their new technologies and put it into Avero because I think that cross between high-tech luxury and, you know, how everything is converging in the auto and tech space uh, is, 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 you know, really comes to the forefront at CES. 
Uh, let's talk about some of the the technology stuff that you guys have going on too, because you you're using some of those things like uh, using the cell phone as a key. That's been demonstrated. The Vox cell phone as a fob. Yeah. Uh, th- those yeah. type of things. Uh, so it's not just you know it's a lot of innovations that make life easier for people too. Yeah, it is not only uh, making life easier and, and improving the the owner experience, but keeping things safer as well. You know, preventing accidents before they happen. Uh, I don't know that Karma will ever be a fully autonomous self-driving car, but we're we're looking at autonomous driving technologies to, uh, to from from a safety standpoint and from an ease of driving standpoint. I think part of owning a Karma is that uh, driving experience. So I'm not sure that anybody's ever going to want to have a Karma drive itself. Um, so we're looking at autonomous driving and, and even AI technologies to keep the car safer and make it easier to drive. Uh, but over and above that, you know, a lot of the technology that you see in our car, the, the new power inverters, the rear drive modules, what have you, are components that others could use in their platforms and their products to speed their development. And we're making these components available uh, for sale to others. And that's just another example of how we're trying to create revenue streams beyond retail sales alone. Uh, a lot of things, too, uh, you, you know, from, from your previous life uh, uh, doing other automotive uh, work when we've talked to and you've worked for other automotive manufacturers, uh, you know, a lot of times these things are uh, just pie in the sky. We see a lot of concept cars that never never make it anywhere. But, the, you know, the fact is that some of this technology is now ready and complete and can be shared uh, by you with other manufacturers, uh, even even to the sense that the, the Karma cars themselves, you, you'll want to drive yourself down curvy roads but maybe some of this technology can be used in them if you're doing long freeway drives uh, but you're winning awards for some of this work as well yes i mean we are we were the uh, innovator of the year uh by judge by uh you know, some california folks and and we are going to be getting an award in a product recognition uh that i can't talk about right now but i'm hoping to be back on your show next saturday when we can talk more about that and how the rivero gt is being uh, recognized for its performance in, in many different facets. Yeah, no, I love that. Now, the GT itself, uh, the design and the engine and, and those type of things, you can actually uh, you can go test drive them if you live in Southern California. Can you test drive them if you live anywhere else? Yeah, we have a, a, a growing network of retail partners, nearly 30 uh, between North America. Uh, we're exporting to Europe, to South America, to China. Uh, but there, if you go to Karma. Uh, uh, KarmaAutomotive.com. You can see a dealer near you, and the vehicles are, are available to test drive. And Rivero GTs are available for delivery right now. The MSRP is 135. The performance-oriented GTS is available for pre-order, and that MSRP starts at 149.950. Dave, I'm I'm excited about this. I know Matthew Clark, one of your uh, your partners over there at uh, at Karma, keeps promising me uh, he's going to let me get some seat <laughs> time. I'll come to Southern California and test drive that with you. And I'm also looking forward to having you on the show next week to talk about the award that uh, that I know that is upcoming. Uh, just to add to that award shelf, I think you guys are doing some great stuff. <coughs> The story of the car is absolutely outstanding, and as Dave said, if you want to test drive uh, this vehicle with some of this cool new technology, and of course, you can go to the Karma website and and do that, and they're pretty reasonable as well. Dave, we'll look forward to having you on next week. Jen, have you driven any electric vehicles uh, apart from the Leaf? Have you driven the Leaf? 
Yeah, we, I went to that EV event. Oh, yes. Yes, so I've driven drove them? quite a few. I will tell you, you will be absolutely surprised by some of the really, really cool electric cars that Karma are doing. Uh, they have those two out right now, the GT. Nothing like you've driven before. Oh, can't wait. Super fast. All right, coming up, more show. Anton Warman on his way on Our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. On Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and all over the interwebs. Uh, start a conversation with us at Our Auto Expert. Type it into your browser, find us, message us. We'll be more than happy to uh, respond to your questions about buying new, used, or uh, some questions about cars. Uh, one man who has an answer to many questions is Anton Wallman. He's an independent analyst and investor. He joins us on the phone to talk about some of the things that are going on in the electric car world, the autonomous world, and the business world of automobiles. Uh, Anton, it looks like the NTSA, NHTSA, is looking into Tesla's sudden unpredicted acceleration problems with some of their vehicles. That's right. So the... Uh uh, a government agency that's called NHTSA, National Highway Transport Safety Administration, has uh, just opened uh, some sort of formal inquiry into why so many Teslas seem to be the object of uh, sudden unintended acceleration. And the preliminary documents, which came out late Friday, you're talking about a document dump on a Friday evening for a three-day holiday here, uh, but basically they came out with a few pages that were unredacted, and this preliminary numbers analysis that they made public here showed that Teslas were 1,440% more likely to cause sudden unintended acceleration than any other vehicle in the market. So that prompted uh, this government agency to open up an investigation. And at this point, we simply don't know uh, how long this investigation will take, uh, let alone, of course, what is going to be the outcome of this investigation. And all scenarios are, at least in theory, possible uh, as for the final verdict of what comes uh, out of it. There's been a lot of news around some uh, Tesla autopilot accidents. Uh, is is it any more than any other manufacturer has had uh, problems with technology, or is Tesla kind of a shining pinnacle of uh, of just bad luck? Well, there are a couple of different things going on here, and when it comes to this sudden unintended acceleration, they have at least some measurements uh, by which to at least start to uh, get a feel for where to focus an investigation. So the way they do it is that they look at how many actual filed complaints they have, because you can actually go to NHTSA and file a complaint and say, hey, my car just suddenly went haywire, I had my foot on the brake, and yet the car just went straight forward as if it were possessed by the devil. And, uh, you know, once you can gather up uh, a certain number of those, then they typically start an investigation. You may recall that in the 1980s, Audi became the subject of such an investigation in the United States, and it almost killed the company for more than a decade when their sales were, were cut by a significant percentage, and it took them the better part of 15 years just to recover from that. And then, of course, we had just a little bit over a decade ago, I think there were just a small handful, maybe four cases or so, uh, that uh, Toyotas were 
uh, the, the the cause of a, a similar type of behavior. And there was one fatality in, in particular that got a lot of attention because it was put on tape and recorded and everybody uh, could listen to it and everybody cried in Congress and all of that. And they had to pay billions of dollars for this, as uh, last I recall, in order to try to please um, uh, the authorities to, as to say that they had to somehow fix the thing. They actually never got to the root cause of it. We still don't know to uh, what actually caused those things, but they tend to be big deals and the government is looking for ways to really just identifying uh, how can we even prove what's going on here and what is the root cause. So I think this may end up taking uh, quite a bit of long time here before we will know the um, the answer to that in this particular case on this particular subject. How many Teslas are involved in the last minute that we have and uh, and and what's the likely outcome if they find some kind of fault? They have a little over 100 filed complaints, and when they ran the analysis as to how that compares on a per-mile driven vehicle, uh, how old the cars were, etc., they arrived at the conclusions that Teslas are 1,440% more likely to cause this than other cars, and that is what is causing them now to start to open up this investigation, and that will take an, uh, an untold amount of time, months, maybe years. Uh, and and so how many Teslas could be affected by this? It's about 500,000 is what they're looking at at this point, if in the worst case scenario that would have to be recalled or fixed or otherwise uh, dealt with. But that's the approximate number that was uh, thrown out there uh, the other day. All right. We'll find out um, in a moment or so. We're going to take a quick break. We'll find out in a moment or so what does that actually mean for those people that have purchased the Tesla and what does it mean for Tesla in the future. Plus, we're going to take a look at some of the uh, January sales data, uh, some of that data now available for electric vehicles in Europe and a new electric cars on the market. What are they? Who's making them? Uh, also, what we can expect in the United States as far as electric cars. That's as we can continue our auto expert on the phone with us is Anton Warman. He's an independent analyst and investor. He's giving us a background into this investigation by the NHTSA into Tesla. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest and the southeast. This is America's car radio show that has a problem. We'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm Miles, along with Truck Girl Jen, on the phone with us, Anton Warman. He's an independent analyst and investor. You can read much of his stuff at Seeking Alpha or The Street. We're talking about Tesla now being investigated by the NHTSA. They've had enough complaints uh, to look into some of their autopilot stuff. Uh, Anton, uh, will this lead to Teslas being recalled? Well, that is certainly a potential outcome. I think that at this stage it's simply premature to to say that with any uh, certainty at all. I think we should uh, be conservative in our assessment of this and say many of these investigations tend to lead to absolute nothing and then nothing gets recalled and there is no problem. They can't identify really what the cause was or there's some other deficiency in the methodology that eventually the case basically uh, uh, seeps out into absolutely nothing. But if, in a worst-case scenario, they determine that there is a fault here, 
then a, a recall is certainly one of the potential outcomes. And uh, that'll probably take quite some time until we hear the verdict on that. One of the things that Tesla has, which many uh, car companies don't have, is that they track their vehicles. They track what was done at what time, especially when there was uh, an accident, the famous uh, the taxi accident in uh, in Arizona, when uh, the bicyclist was struck by a, an Uber driver in um, those type of things. That information was all tracked. Tesla also track a lot of their information in their vehicles uh, is that going to help them or harm them well this has been a source of contention thus far because tesla has not made uh, much of this data they've, they've basically not given the source data to uh, to independent parties in most cases you know they they basically tell you what they saw in their data that basically here basically here's what happens so a, a uh, there's an accident and the police says a tesla can you tell us was autopilot on or off at the time of this accident and tesla comes back to the police and says look autopilot was off at that point so clearly it was driver error all right well what does that mean first of all do we really trust them in saying that the autopilot was off well we, we have a further uh, quirk in the data here that uh, you know really needs to be investigated very carefully because uh, the autopilot turns itself off uh, nanoseconds before uh, the impact of it hitting something, an object, but it knows it's going to hit something. So let's say that, you, that you've been driving an autopilot and for whatever reason the autopilot hasn't seen that it's about to rear-end a big truck and then uh, a fraction of a second before the rear-ending actually occurs, uh, the system basically uh, turns it over to manual mode. But of course at that point the driver has no way of avoiding the accident but yet they will then say ah the car was not an autopilot so therefore it was the driver's fault so all of these things are impossible to really determine unless tesla were to provide the actual you know or the 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 data itself, the, the the origin of the data, the source of the data to the authorities, and then instead of just telling the authorities what their analysis of their own data shows. So therein resides much of the complexity in, in investigating uh, this product. Is that, the in Tesla's defense, is that the fault of the investigators for not asking the right questions? They know that this is a possibility that could happen. Maybe the question they should be asking is uh, how long was the autopilot disengaged before the accident occurred? Uh, as we have more of these accidents and understand more, uh, is it not the investigator who should be asking a different set of questions? I think that is absolutely a fair, a fair question. I think that is certainly part of the problem. The other one is why doesn't Tesla have to provide the, the actual source code to the authorities so that they could see how is this thing actually programmed so they don't need to, uh, uh, you know, it's the, that they don't actually need to ask these questions, but they can just go in and say, oh, this is pro programmed to act in a certain way, and then we can determine whether that is a good way or not a good way. That would be you know, going to the actual source of whether there is a problem or not. You know, we've seen this with uh, companies like Apple, as far as their cell phones are concerned, not wanting to hand over information from individual cell phones. Why would Tesla not want to hand this data over as long as it wasn't shared with any third party? Well, the, clearly, uh, the their their only reason for not wanting to hand something over must be in the area of liability. I mean, the moment you hand something, the moment you give an investigator something to look at and to study and to see whether your work has been done in a certain way, you open up yourself to an enormous amount of liability. So if I were in Tesla's shoes, shoes of course, I would fight this thing tooth and nail. I wouldn't want to give them anything more than they were absolutely required to provide um, 
in the absolute most minimalist scenario. So that that would be their motivation for sure. It may perhaps uh, the you know there is the the way of saying the the NHTSA could say that uh, you hand it over or you just can't have autopilot engaged. I mean, the result might be that they lose the opportunity to use autopilot or have autopilot in their vehicles, correct? And so perhaps that's done until the right information is provided. I think you've indeed identified one possible outcome of this whole thing. I think that maybe, just maybe, this will be the moment when they uh, will stop treating uh, this particular company with relative kid gloves in comparison to the way that they are treating other companies uh, that have had far lesser issues presented to them. So maybe they, this will be finally the moment when uh, they will start asking these tougher questions and demanding all of these things to be delivered to them as opposed to just taking the company's word for what may or may not have happened. I mean, basically, instead of asking for send us your server, you know, you ask them, oh, did you send an email to somebody so-and-so that uh, contained something that was interesting? Oh, no, Mr. Authority, we never sent an email to anybody that contained anything interesting. Trust us, we looked into it ourselves. So that is kind of the uh, the relative weight here of the way that some companies are treated compared to certain other companies. Now, in, in a scenario, and uh, make-believe scenario here, that uh, somehow Tesla is not no longer able to allow autopilot to be operated in their vehicles because either they haven't provided the right data or the data they provided showed that it wasn't safe. What happens to those people that have paid for it? Yeah, so this is why Tesla is certainly likely to fight this thing beyond tooth and nail because, as you probably are aware, uh, for many customers have chosen to pay extra, up to five, six, sometimes $7,000 extra for this enhanced autopilot functionality. The name of this uh, functionality has varied over time. In the beginning, it was autopilot, and there was enhanced autopilot, and now it's called full self-driving. And they kept moving these terms around, but bottom line is that people have paid extra money for these uh, very particular functionalities that if these things were simply not allowed to be brought into the market, Tesla, of course, cannot in... in, in uh, in good faith to keep the money. Now, it is certainly true that much of this money has not been accounted for in terms of revenue because you know the, the functionality has not yet been delivered. So while they have collected the money, it has not gone into their earning statement. However, the money was actually collected and all of those monies, they would have probably have to pay, pay it back at some point. So uh, you know that, that is sort of something that would trigger that is a determination by the government that you just can't even operate this functionality and then uh, then there would be on pretty thin ice in terms of being forced to uh, give uh, people their money back. All right, let's talk a little bit about January sales data. Uh, some of that is now available and there's some interesting changes in who's on the leaderboard. That's right. So, uh, you know, there's a big change in the law in the European Union that took into effect on January 1st, 2020, and that was these new very stringent rules in terms of CO2 emissions per mile traveled. And uh, as a result of this rule change, uh, the European automakers, in many cases, they held back on introducing the sales of these new models, their new all-electric cars, until after here January 1st. Because if they sold the car uh, before January 1st, 2020, they wouldn't get credit for it. But these credits are worth on the general order of $22,000 per car if the car is sold in calendar year 2020. So now that we have a couple 
couple of weeks under our belt in terms of the sales statistics in Europe, we're seeing from country to country a whole new flora of new interesting all-electric cars coming to the market from Fiat, from Skoda, from Peugeot, and from DS. DS is the luxury division of Citroën. So these new cars are at or very near the, the, the sales charts in Europe here in early January in terms of taking the leadership in all electric uh, car sales. And those are mostly cars that we have never seen and most certainly will never see here in the United States. So it really is just changing the entire competitive landscape in Europe uh, as, as uh, 2020 has gotten off to a good start here in January. We're, we are two auto shows away, uh, or close to in the new season, the Chicago show and the New York show. Chicago show happening in February, New York show happening around Easter. So these two shows are now an opportunity for U.S. automakers to show off electric vehicles that may be coming, or partial PZEVs uh, or BEVs or plug-in hybrids, whatever they might be, uh, coming to the United States. Uh, rumors about Fiat, new Fiat Electric, Hyundai. Uh, what do we expect to see at those two auto shows and vehicles that could be on sale in the United States in the next uh, few years, months, weeks? Oh, gosh. The, the, the answer is, uh, you know, all, anything and everything. So almost all automakers are bringing to market a, um, a portfolio of both pure electric cars, so-called BEVs, battery electric vehicles, as well as plug-in uh, electric cars, PHEVs. And uh, uh, we see most recently here Audi and BMW bringing to market now in the first half of uh, 2020 plug-in hybrids of some of their most popular models, such as the Audi Q5 and BMW X3 and so forth. These are really their top sellers. So with these plug-in hybrids, uh, they are basically of the belief that they can be sold to essentially any kind of customer around the country. They are not dependent on any new uh, charging infrastructure, and you can choose to charge them at home or elsewhere uh, as best you can, and you really don't actually have to plug them in if you if you don't really want to or if you are simply unable to do so. Therefore, the only drawback is just cost. So at that point, the automakers are faced with the dilemma of whether they should swallow this extra cost and then just take that out of their own profit pool, or if they can actually persuade the consumers to pay a few more extra thousand dollars for these vehicles. And in terms of where that equation finally lands in total, uh, that really remains to be seen. But those are the main variables that are standing before the automakers here, particularly in the year 2020 in the U.S., uh, any news on uh, Mercedes EQC coming to market? I know they pushed it out another year. That's right. So the Mercedes EQC uh, went on sale in, in a very soft way in Europe in the second half of, of 2019. They only sold a few hundred units, really a, a kind of a glorified market test just to make sure that the product had been properly debugged. But of course, since, uh, a sale on this side of the calendar year is worth on the general order of 20,000 euros more. Uh, really, the real sales numbers kicked off here on January 1st. But because the demand for this product is so high in Europe and that Mercedes really didn't need uh, to sell very many of them in the U.S. because they could satisfy many of these requirements with these plug-in hybrids instead, they decided to postpone the U.S. launch by approximately one year. And even a country like India is now supposedly going to get the EQC before the United States. Sales in India are supposed to start uh, by the fall of, of this year. So that's kind of an interesting move as well, which I have never really heard from any other automaker until now. Interesting.
interesting. Anton Warman, you can read his stuff at The Street or Seeking Alpha. He is an independent analyst and investor. We enjoy having him on the show every week. If you want to watch previous episodes of our videos, listen to previous shows, you can find them on all of the major outlets for podcasting, including Podbean and also iHeartRadio and iTunes. I could go on and on. That's a really big list. We'll be back again with a show next week. We've enjoyed having you as part of our auto expert family. Until then. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response.